1: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Absolutely. I think they're a team to watch out for. But moving on, I wanted to talk about the East region. And the first two regions we've spoken about, right, I feel like we both agree. Like Houston and Texas are the clear two teams to beat in the Midwest. You look at the West, I think the top four in um, Kansas and UCLA and Gonzaga and uh, UConn is the four seed. Like I think that's a really good top four. But I'm looking at this East region. I think it's wide open, right? And Purdue is the number one seed. And look, Purdue won the Big Ten tournament. They had a great regular season, and they had some great wins in the non-conference slate. Like, they deserve to be a number one seed. But when I'm looking at their draw in this bracket, Marquette, they just win the Big East regular season and conference tournament title. They've had a great year. Kansas State, I think this is a team that I've been waiting for to pick in the NCAA tournament. I think Jerome Tang is made for this event, and having two guards like Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson that could really go and get it at any time. Like that's a team I'm looking at. You also look at Duke and just how well they've played recently. I still have a lot of respect for Tennessee and Rick Barnes. I know they haven't been playing their best basketball lately, but that's a very experienced coach and a team with talent like Memphis as an eight seed. I think they could do damage Florida Atlantic as a nine seed. Like that's a little bit of an under seed in my opinion as well. I think this bracket is really wide open, not to mention Michigan state as the number seven seed Tom Izzo eight final fours on his resume. I look at this region and I think anything could happen. Like I could see a scenario where Marquette comes out. I could see a scenario where Kansas state comes out, by the way, Kentucky as the seed didn't even mention them. Like this region is wide open. And I feel like every year we saw it uh, last year with North Carolina, there's a, a region that opens up with like an eight, nine or 10 seed literally coming out and going to the final four that no one saw coming. Do you think this region could be that?
0: You know, I I don't. Um, I love the story of Florida Atlantic. They're going to run up against a really athletic Memphis team. And some of the advantages that they've had all year, they may not have. Um, That's just going to be an interesting matchup. You know, Um, I'm really curious to see that. You know, when I look at this, I keep saying, is Duke going to make it to the Sweet 16? Uh, Because Duke, by far, has the most individual talent of anyone in this bracket on the, on the top side of that bracket. Um, I think Marquette's talent is underrated. I think they have a lot of talented guys. They have a lot of guys that are have a chance to play at the next level that we might not realize it yet, but Duke individually has the most talent. And so that's, what's really curious to me is are they going to beat an or Roberts team and then find a way to be playing Louisiana who can obviously beat Tennessee And they're going to have a chance to be right there in the sweet 16 that jumps out of me right away on that side of it on the bottom side of it. You know, when I look, I mean, I love Marquette. I love how they've been able to play Um, their matchup potentially with USC and Michigan State in the second round is going to be very, very interesting. um, I would think Um, just because both those teams move their feet well, both those teams, you know, really take care of the ball. I mean, this is going to be, I agree with you. I think this is a fascinating side of the bracket where a lot of interesting things could happen, but I still feel like that it's very top heavy where the top of the teams are very good.
1: Absolutely. And it's so interesting with Duke because there was one point where they were just really struggling, even to start off ACC play, they're losing games and not only losing, like they're getting blown out in tough road games. I understand, but like they got blown out by NC state. They got blown out by Wake Forest. They lost to Miami. Let me, pull up this exact score right now it was just after the super bowl they're playing uh miami on big monday right this is okay march Oh, let's see no no february 6th monday february 6th i'm pretty sure yeah that was the monday after the super bowl duke at miami miami wins that game 81 to 59 wasn't even close the next game they play at virginia and they lost that game but if you remember, that was tied at the end of regulation. Kyle Filipowski had a wide open lane to the basket, clearly gets fouled. They don't call it, and they lose in overtime. So since that game on February 11th, Duke has still not lost. They've won nine games in a row. Yeah,
0: they're 26 and eight with a first year head coach and a and a complete freshman group playing. So they are playing their very best basketball right now. Um, that they've been playing all season long. Uh, I mean. I just look at it and go, man, I, I think they got a chance to make this with 16. Now, their matchup with Or Roberts, to me, yeah, might, be, might be a tougher matchup than what they'll have the next round. Um, because that Oral Roberts team has a lot of experience. Mac Abrams is fantastic his ability to score the ball and dominate the game. I mean, it feels like Lehigh with, with C.J. McCollum versus Duke is what this feels like. Um, and And Duke isn't a great defensive team. So they're going to be able to score with them. It's just going to be a good, good matchup. And again, I think that matchup could be a tougher matchup than what they could have in the next round.
1: I agree 100%. I think if Duke could find a way to win that game, they're in a very good position to make a deep run and possibly come out of this bracket. But that first game, I'm telling you, it scares me. Oral Roberts, they were a 15 seed two years ago. They have tournament experience with Ace Miss. Also, Connor Vanover, he is just a crazy, unique matchup at 7'3", former uh, transfer from Cal in Arkansas. He could shoot threes and uh, dragging Derek Lively onto the perimeter. Like that could be a tough proposition. Duke also plays two big men. Like as talented as this team is, and as well as this team is, I'm leaning Oral Roberts to win that game. I, I really am. I-, I think that is a tough draw for Duke. And this is another question I wanted to ask you because looking at this bracket, this is one thing I'm really realizing, right? Purdue is the one seed. They've, they win the big 10 tournament. Marquette, they're the number two seed. They win the big East tournament Duke. They're the number five seed. They win the ACC tournament, even uh, Florida Atlantic. Of course they're the nine they win their conference tournament. Like you have a lot of teams here that have won their conference tournament. And I feel like a big lesson I've learned in the past when it comes to NCAA tournaments is never put too much stock in those conference tournaments, because like this is kind of a worry I have about Marquette. Honestly, like they just played off. They just uh, got off playing three electric games in front in front of electric atmospheres at Madison Square Garden and their next game is going to be a Friday at 2:45 in Columbus, Ohio against Vermont. Like that is a way different atmosphere with way less energy. Like as a coach when you're leading your team going into this event, like how do you deal with that and do you think sometimes having a successful conference tournament could that affect the team in their mindset heading into the big dance?
0: I think what's interesting about it, if you win your conference tournament, it means you had to win a lot of games in a row. So the other thing it does, it gives you momentum. Um, I actually worry about the teams that like kind of going into the tournament some losing streaks that kind of get the at-larges. You know, I think it's hard because the majority of the teams that get the uh, automatic conference bids are mid-majors and lower. So it's hard to trust it because the the, the teams that win the six-power ones are usually the ones that have the chance to win the whole thing. So it is hard to trust it. So I agree with you with that. Um, but I think that momentum is necessary and needed. You know, when I look at a team like Marquette, one thing they're never going to lack is energy. <laughs> like Coach Mark's going to have those guys bouncing around, ready to go. Um, so I don't know if they're a, a, a team that that it fits more more so. But I would maybe look at a team like UCLA uh, as a team that you would think that they're not super high energy. They're more like punch you in the mouth, stay with the plan, do whatever. Uh, I would look at those kind of number two seeds. Arizona is like high and low. Um, so they emotionally, I think we've talked about this all year long, like where would they be at? Will they need the crowd? They're going to be in Sacramento, so they'll have a good crowd. Like where would they be at with that? Um, and, and so I just think those things are kind of interesting when you really start looking at it. Um, the kind of energy that the leader brings to the table every day I think really matters. I know Marquette will bring the energy because I know their leader. The question is Arizona, UCLA, Texas. Like will they be able to bring the energy? and really push forward through their first opponents.
1: Yeah, so continuing to look at this bracket, another matchup that really stands out to me in this region is number six seeded Kentucky, facing number 11, Providence. And the thing that makes this matchup so interesting to me is number one, of course, the storyline everyone's going to talk about, Providence's best player, Bryce Hopkins. He transferred in from Kentucky. And like one of the first things I remember talking about this college basketball season was watching Providence and watching like just how good Bryce Hopkins was. It's just like, man, how did this guy not play last year? Like, not only did he didn't play, like, he didn't really play at all. Like, there were plenty of opportunities to get him in there, and he just never was really able to find a role. And all of a sudden, he's at Providence now, and he's doing big things. And this, I'm sure he's jacked up for this game. But the other thing that's coming to mind is, and I'm sure you've seen them, is there's some Ed Cooley rumors going around that he might possibly be the next head coach at Georgetown and there's still a lot of time for him to make that decision. But I've seen it too many times in this event. Another thing, like when you're watching this event uh, over and over, like for years, like we have, like, you notice certain things, you notice certain trends. And I get nervous about this stuff when a coach is supposed to be getting ready for a big tournament game. And all of a sudden you see his name in the news floating out there. Like one example that comes off to mind right off the bat is Kevin Willard. Like there was nothing official, but there were some rumors going around this time last year. Oh, he might be, the next head coach of Maryland, and then Seton Hall in their NCAA tournament game lost to uh, by T, uh, to TCU by 30 points. Like that yeah. is something that always sticks with me. So when you're in that situation, when you're a player in that locker room, getting ready for a big game, and I, I, I feel like with Ed Cooley, it's also interesting because we know like how much he really prioritizes his relationship with his players and, and just how much he wants them to succeed. Like in both shoes, like how do you deal with something like that right before – you're about to play in an NCAA tournament game.
0: Well, I think some of these things are bigger in the media than they are in the locker room. And there's, there's a pretty strong understanding inside the locker room that if you play well, if you do well, opportunities are going to come towards you. And that's sort of basketball. You know, if anyone in that locker room plays really well for Providence, they're going to have a chance to leave and go to the NBA draft early. Um, so I, I don't think it affects the locker room. And, again, I've been that guy with his name out there getting ready for a tournament game. Um, I didn't feel like it affected our team at all. Um, everyone's pretty locked in and based onto a routine of what needs to be done. Um, I would say the Seton Hall with with Kevin Willard is, you know, they, they hadn't won a tournament game. <laughs> I mean, it's not like the, not like the record at Seton Hall for tournament games is, you know, 10-0. and 0. You know, I mean, I think Shaheen won – as many tournament games last year or more tournament games last year in one tournament than, than Seenal had had in the last 20 years or something. Um, So I don't think that's indicative to his name being linked to a rumor. I think it's indicative to the other team being better. Um, And sometimes if you're a good coach, you coach your team up through the year and you get the NCAA tournament and you, the the team is just better across from you. And you can't catch yourself out of that. If, if they're just bigger, faster, stronger, make more shots than you on that day. Um, So again, I don't think that's going to be a thing that affects them at all. Um, You know, I think everyone will really lock in and and recognize what time of year it is. You know, I think there'll be more concerns. They haven't, they didn't finish the year great. So I think the concern more so is like, you know, we've got more to give. So let's lock in and be able to do that.
1: Yeah. And that's a super fascinating first round game against Kentucky because it's also funny, like Kentucky entered this season uh, like they do every year with a ton of pressure, but especially this year after last year, the way their season ended losing in this event in the opening round to number 15 seeded St. Peter's. And it's funny because going into the season, like a lot of people were kind of hyping up Kentucky's first tournament game, like Virginia's first tournament game. The season after they lost to UMBC, becoming the first ever number one seed to lose to a 16. And it's funny, like, I remember the next year against the 16 seed, like they got off to a good start. Uh, I'm blanking on who it was, but Virginia ended up winning the game. They ended up winning the national championship and I look at Kentucky this year. It's funny because a lot of people had high expectations for this team, thinking they were going to be right back there on the two or the three line. But no, they're on the six line. And they've had a very up and down roller coaster regular season. They even lost two games in the past two weeks one in the regular season, one in the SEC tournament to Vanderbilt, which is something you never really expect Kentucky to do. But how are you feeling about the Wildcats going into this tournament? And Looking at this bracket between uh, Kentucky, Providence, Kansas State, and Montana State, I think all those teams are pretty even, and I don't have that strong of a feeling on the team I feel like could be coming out.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, I was never on the Kentucky hype. You know, they often start the year on this hype train that's so ridiculous, that's unrealistic. Um, In some years, it's deserving, you know, but the last two years just hasn't been deserving. Um, you know, they're seated the right at the right place. They could beat Providence in the first round. Um, that's going to be a really interesting game, and they could beat them. Um, you know, I'm, I'm taking Ed Cooley um, just because I think it's going to be a close game. I take Cooley in close games, close opportunities. Um, you know, it gives them a chance to kind of play on. But I do agree with you. I think this is a very interesting side of it. Like Like, you know, Kansas State, Montana State smells like a possible upset <laughs> it, just, it just smells like it uh you know michigan state usc you know like it, what a toss-up game there is and, you know that portion of the bracket is going to be really curious there will be a lot, lot of great game right there um because i don't think the matchups are as glaring as some of these other brackets one last team in this
1: region i wanted to run by you and you actually mentioned them uh, earlier in the show and i really like them as well memphis the number eight seed and they had a very impressive weekend winning the American athletic conference tournament and congratulations to Penny Hardaway. First off, like I think he's done a really good job establishing and showing everyone that he's not one of these coaches that just goes back to their alma mater as a former star NBA player. Like he realizes what it takes to win. He realizes the work and the commitment that it takes to win and have success in college basketball. And it's funny because the first few years of his tenure at Memphis, there were many times where I was kind of wondering, like, is he really cut out for this? Could Penny Hardaway be one of the great coaches in the sport? Because he had no ta- no problem getting talent. They had the number one recruiting class in the country in his second year with James Wiseman and Precious Achua, like Boogie Ellis, who's also in this region now at USC. Like there were plenty of future NBA players in that class. Even last year they had Duran, they had Amani Bates and they they went through a little bit, but I've been so impressed that Penny has kind of changed his philosophy a little bit, targeting the older players that we know are so important to having success in March. And, like, I don't know how many better players there are in this tournament right now than Kendrick Davis. I mean, DeAndre Williams is 26 years old, and Memphis doesn't lose with him in the lineup. I think this is a team that people should be talking about more.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think They're a really good team. I think they really compete. Again, I think with DeAndre in the lab, they're very different. You know, so looking at them early in the year versus now, he really settles them in some other areas and fills in some gaps. Um, I mean, they've got a really good team. Uh, And I think that that's how I'm looking at, man, like, do they give a threat to Purdue?
1: I think they do. I I think it's an awful matchup for Purdue. I think it's I'm
0: like, can they? But, you know, Purdue's going to put a bigger guy on their guards. And Purdue's really big. You know, the teams that have beaten Purdue are not built like Memphis. All right. And you got to remember the team that's beaten Purdue the most is Indiana and Memphis is not built like Indiana, you know, so I just kind of look at that copy and say, you know, that, I don't know if that's a great matchup for Memphis to have to guard, 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 Zach on the inside and how they're going to play. And, and they're going to play. you know, Morton is going to guard their best player and he does a good job. And he's six, seven and a half. You know, this I just think it's that 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 potentially could be a great matchup. Um, just because there's going to be a clash of styles and Purdue's not going to let them get up and down on them, they're not going to let the game get out of control that way. Um, you know, I agree with you. Memphis is really super underrated right now, and I, I think they're really dangerous.
1: Absolutely. And one guy from Memphis that I would love to see try to guard Zach Eadie. like, I, I feel like we all realize that when it comes to Zach Eadie, if you're trying to defend him, like, it is. Impossible to shut him down completely. Like, he is too good of a player and he is always going to get his. But I feel like if you just need to limit him, Memphis does have a guy in Malcolm Dandridge who, A, has been around college basketball. This is now his fourth year in college. And B, he's 6'9, 260 and he moves around pretty well. I think if anyone could at least limit Zach Eady, it's him. And also, like, Kendrick Davis and against those freshman guards. And I love Smith and Lawyer. Like, I think they're going to be two future. Uh, all big 10 conference players, but you give me Kendrick Davis, who I think could be the best guard in this tournament going up against those two guys. Like I think Memphis could have the edge there. I do.
0: I think they're going to put Ethan Morton on, on him though. And he's kind of drawn some of the better matchups. I could be completely wrong. Um, because now when he's come off those pick and rolls, it's like a huge pick and roll with Zach and, and Ethan in there. I mean, all of a sudden there's not a lot of space to play, not a lot of space to make plays. Um, I mean, uh, you know, I'm kind of with you though, I think we're kind of both like we're both saying different parts of the problem. Yeah. Uh, that's why it's a good matchup, uh, and that's why they're both good teams because whoever wins these matchups we're sort of talking about that that's going to be a, have the ability to win the game. You know, I think I think Eddie's so Eddie's so tough to guard and to defend the game plan for and he's playing more minutes this year than he's ever played. And so you got to account for him way more, way more often. You know, I mean, we usually don't bet on Purdue in March, but I just, I just think they've got a really good chance to to do it this year with this group.
1: Interesting. Another question I had on them for you, and, and I'm curious what you think of this. So they're another team, as we just said, they fall into this category as one of the many teams in this region that will be entering the NCAA tournament as Conference tournament champions winning their conference tournament and the thing about purdue and and i'm not trying to diminish them by any means like if you win a conference tournament especially the big 10 like that is an accomplishment they win the big 10 regular season and conference title they get a number one seed very impressive job by matt painter especially considering what they lost from last season's team but man they had a lot of trouble with rutgers who didn't make the tournament in the first round they were fortunate to sneak by in that game and then in the next round, they play Ohio State, who we know, like, yes, they were playing well in the Big Ten tournament, but they are not even close to a tournament team. Edie just put them out on on his back in that game, and they survived. And then against Penn State in the championship game, like, they're up 17 points, but somehow Penn State has a shot to, to tie it in the end with the ball in their hands. Like, I've never been more underwhelmed by a team that's just won a conference tournament. And, and I'm really not trying to diminish them, but, like, they didn't exactly give me much confidence watching them for three days. That makes me think, okay, this is finally going to be the time for a deep run in March, but maybe with that logic, that's just when it finally happens.
0: Well, you know, they just play close games. You know, they play a lot of close games. Uh, you know, I was surprised. I mean, I'd kind of closed, I'd closed my phone on the Penn state Purdue game and the championship game. I was like, Oh, it's over. My mom texts me and says, they have a chance to win it. I said, who has a chance to win it? You know? Um, and, and so enough, Penn state had, had the ball, with a chance to win it. So, you know, I I think that's part of their DNA. Um, you know, I don't think they're a team that can run away from you. You know, they're not going to win a lot of games by 20 points. That's not really their specialty. But they are a team that wins a lot of games within that six to three range. And that's what tournament basketball is about